Hey everybody, it's Pastor Donovan from Gold Street Garden Church. We're so thankful to have you on the podcast channel. Today's message is entitled, The Communion of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice and the satisfying payment to remove sin and to make us into a temple that could host and hold Holy Spirit. Every day we must endeavor and prioritize communion with the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is talking to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift of the Father to us. The Holy Spirit reveals and leads us into our destiny as sons and daughters of God and our identity as the treasured bride of Christ. This message is going to bless you tremendously. And we encourage you to stay stay tracking with us over the next couple weeks, more so than ever, because we are going to allow the scriptures and allow Holy Spirit to reveal his role in our lives in greater measure so we can be more prepared with the cry of Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Before we go any further, I just had this phrase in my heart all day and tonight we, we're gonna focus on the magnificent person, the role of Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't wanna be mechanical when we talk about our best friend. This is the phrase that was on my heart all day. It is far more satisfying to wait for him than it is to have all the world right now. It is far more satisfying to wait on him than it is to have all the world right now. The reason it's easy to wait on God is because he's faithful. Because he's faithful, you don't have to be anxious. In fact, you can be confident that in the waiting you're being refined, you're being matured, you're being developed. So as we just take this moment, just if you close your eyes and if we would just, Jesus made a statement in John chapter eight, verse 31 through 32, he says, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you abide in my word, it's, it's abiding, it's remaining, it's allowing his word to wash over our minds, allowing it to mature and develop us. It's not about us trying to become the word, it's, it's abiding in the word and it does the work because he's the vine and it's a fruit. It's, it's matured and developed through this cultivation. So what we're going to do right now, if you would just, if you just focus on him, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your minds on things above. Don't be guilty of having the, the thought that I just didn't feel the spirit. There's a lot of people that say they didn't feel the spirit, but I would sometimes argue, was your heart engaged? Let's engage right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, 
Just begin to lift your voice and thank him right now. Just begin to lift. Sing in the spirit, pray. Just begin to lift up a sound. Lift up a sound, a bridal sound of affection. Hey. Well, lift it up, lift it up. Hey. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, 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 hey. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. More, more. Yes, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, we thank you. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Well, this evening, we want to make sure that this book, what, what has been given to us, we, if you are new here, we want you to know that, this, that the Word of God is the final authority. The rhema Word of God is the Holy Spirit reveals these scriptures to us, and the Holy Spirit is who we are going to talk about tonight, His magnificent role in our lives and I've been so convicted again, and this happens to me on and on, because the Holy Spirit is such a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is so, so gentle, so precious, that he doesn't force his way, but he, he, he waits for you to acknowledge him. He waits for you to turn your affections towards him. He waits for you to, to acknowledge, and then he begins to reveal, he begins to to show you things, great mysteries. But you know who he loves to reveal? He loves to reveal Jesus. He reveals the magnificence of Jesus, the, the, the glory of Jesus. That there is a lot of Christians that they give their life to Jesus, but they don't realize the role of Holy Spirit. And then they begin to try to serve God without him because the Holy Spirit is actually the one that teaches you how to love Jesus he's the one that sustains your love for Jesus he's the one that that because the Bible literally says in John 14 26 that he's the teacher the Holy Spirit is the teacher and in some translations it says he's the comforter that he comforts in other translations it says he's the helper how many people need some help? <laughs> Did you know the Holy Spirit, he desires to help you? This is so amazing because what, what was the thing that caused Lucifer, Satan to fall out of heaven is that he, he kept all these I statements. I want to be lifted up. I want to be known. I, it was so much I and that's where we get pride. And what is the, the, the epitome of pride is I don't need any help. 
This was, and we, sometimes we don't realize how quickly we can yield to a spirit of pride. And yielding just to thinking you can do it on your own or by your own strength. I'm telling you that the Bible, that Paul even said that his strength, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. That is when we realize we can't is when we see how glorious he is. But the enemy wants to, 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 to just wipe your face in the I can't instead of realizing that the I can't is an invitation into I am. And to see him for who he really is. I, a lot of people, and I want to share this, that in this room, I have fallen victim to this, that sometimes, sometimes I allowed the mess I was in or the mess I created to be something that drove me to isolation because I felt like I wasn't good enough or that I had to try to fix everything in order to come to God. You know, that one of the greatest deceptions is to think you have to have it all together to come to the only one who can put you together. One of the greatest deceptions is to think you have to have it all together to come to the only one who can put you together. Don't allow your mess to be what drives you into isolation. Let your mess be what draws you into intimacy. God wants to talk about your mess to show you that he's the only one that can make it beautiful. He's the only one that can turn brokenness into wholeness. He's the only one that can turn mourning into dancing. Does anybody want to help me tonight? He's the only one. He's the only one. And it's when we realize that Jesus made a statement. And I love the invitations of God. We were talking about this a little bit at the men's group, that the invitations of God are so simple. Remember when Peter was fishing before he met, before he knew who Jesus, you know, Jesus comes and Peter's fishing. He's cleaning up his nets. He's doing everything in his own strength. He was trained to be a fisherman his whole life. And he was out fishing all night and caught nothing. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's a professional or expert at your field. How, how embarrassing and how, how much does that hurt when you, or how frustrating it is when you know how to do something and you do it well and it fails still. Peter was so humbled by not catching anything. And then Jesus preaches for a little bit just to stir up the waters. And then he tells Peter, hey, why don't you throw the net on the other side of the boat? Do you know how, like, that's very, like, I would be upset if I'm a professional and some guy's just sharing a sermon and tells me how to do my job that I've been trained to do my whole life. But, you know, Peter did it a little reluctantly, but he did it. And when he did it, the, it says that he caught the biggest catch of his life. That something he was trained to be a professional his whole life, he had never caught as big of a catch when he decided to humble himself to hear and obey the word of God. And when he did this, the first thing Peter does is he sees Jesus and he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Because what? The goodness of God leads us to repentance. He caught the biggest catch and the goodness of God brought him to a place of I'm not worthy. And this is what Jesus says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. He didn't say, yeah, Peter, you got to get all that sin together and then we'll have a, we'll have a meetup later. No, he says, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you into something. Not you have to become something in order for everything to be okay. That's the lie of the enemy. If you see, don't flatter yourself and think you can do it. You need him. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. But that shouldn't, that shouldn't make you sad. That should make you very happy because it's the abiding in him. It's the, this is why community 
is so important, the family of God, that, we, that the Holy Spirit in you, and we gotta, we gotta, we gotta break this down so you, you guys can follow me with context. I, I want you to know I'm gonna really share from my heart tonight. If, I, if we, could talk, we could talk about the Holy Spirit till kingdom come and we're going to, but I, I want you to know that what we're going to do my, my goal this evening is to increase your appetite to study, to find Holy Spirit in the scriptures because he's the one that wrote this book. He came upon men and he wrote these scriptures. So it's very important you know the author is Holy Spirit. If I were the enemy, which I am not, even though if you ever had a run-in with me and you thought I was, I am not the enemy, but if I were the enemy, you know what my main goal would be if understanding these scriptures is I would be okay with the Father and the Son, but I would make sure the church did not know Holy Spirit. Did you ever notice the term antichrist is in the Bible? Christ means anointing, anointed one. So it really means that the enemy is anti-anointing. And if he's anti-anointing, Holy Spirit is the one that anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So if the enemy knows, it says that Jesus was anointed, in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus was anointed of the Holy Spirit who went about destroying all the works of the devil. So if the devil doesn't want the church to run in its full calling, it's going to make sure we forget about Holy Spirit. But this church isn't forgetting about Holy Spirit. We want him enthroned. But you see, there has been moments where people have defined the Holy Spirit as just somebody shaking on the floor. I want to tell you that just because a tree's leaves are blowing doesn't mean it has fruit on it. Hey! Jesus said, you judge a tree by its fruit, not by its movement. There's a lot of people that don't want to talk about the Holy Spirit or let the Holy Spirit flow or reign because they only associate it to people acting like psychopaths. Now, I do want people to, to know that when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, some of you might not know how to respond because his power is so strong. If you think you can control when his power comes upon you, that's also pride. Why do they fall out? Because they can't stand anymore. Why do they cry? Why do they laugh? Because in his presence is the fullness of joy. The Bible says that the tears of repentance. The Bible talks about these, these, beautiful, these beautiful expressions of his presence, but the, the thing we have to realize is the fruit. This is why, uh, I love this statement from a, a pastor I listen to from time to time, and he shares this. He says, don't attend a church, join one. It's very simple, but he says that there's a lot of people that just attend a show entertain me for 50 minutes and I'll give you a tip. Instead of joining a body where you're held accountable to see if you actually have fruit. Okay, you've been coming here for three years. Do, are, you, are you only reciting scripture or are you living it? Because living it is the fruit of saying that there is a surrender in your life. Because fruit is, once again, the enemy wants to make you think you can achieve something that only God can produce. Can I say that again? The enemy wants to make you think that you can achieve something that only he can produce. You can't achieve holiness. You can't achieve righteousness. He produced it, he finished it, and he's given it to you, and now the Holy Spirit is teaching you how to walk in that. 
okay? And the way that he does this is by you abiding in the word, because it says in John 6, 63, and if you are taking notes, I highly encourage you reference these scriptures so you get them in your heart and, and know where to go. But John 6, 63, Jesus himself said, the flesh profits nothing, but he says, my words, they are spirit and life. So Jesus was full, filled with the Holy Spirit. He came as a man and he surrendered completely to the person of Holy Spirit. And as he was being led by the Spirit of God, all the words he was speaking, he was manifesting the Word of God. But we're going to get into it. the thing that, that there's always a disconnect is because we associate with people. So we have God the Father, that's a role we understand. And then we have Jesus the Son, that's, that's a role we can understand. But Holy Spirit, it's always like there's a mystery there. It's always like there's something. But I, w I want you to see that as we go through these scriptures and as we look at a few things, you're going to see how vital his role is in, in the whole landscape of eternity. In the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, it says that the Spirit of God, who is the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the face of the waters. And it says that it was dark and void and without form. And the Holy Spirit was hovering. Do you know what that word hover? It means like a mother hen. Just like incubating. And what? Comforting. And the Holy Spirit was waiting for the voice of God, the word of God. And soon as the Holy Spirit hears the word of God, he manifests the word. There is nothing more dangerous to the kingdom of darkness than a man or woman coming into complete agreement with the word of God. That when you come into agreement with what he says, in spite of what you're going through, in spite of what you see, you begin to cause there to be a shaking in the kingdom of darkness because there, you... When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, I might go all over the place because I just got the, but when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, it says he was led by the spirit of God into the wilderness. And then he was tempted there. Did you know, could you imagine that it says Satan himself came to tempt Jesus, not just a little minion, not just a little demon, but we're talking about Satan himself came and started tempting Jesus and you know, every time Jesus was tempted, you know, the devil, Satan himself says, and Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. Bible says he was hungry. Don't say, you know, you don't say. He was very hungry. And then the, the, the devil himself said, why don't you tell these stones to become bread? If you really are the son of God, if you are the son of God, he's challenging his identity because right when he got water baptized, it's, it says that God spoke from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So what is the enemy immediately doing after a beautiful encounter? Challenging the identity. The enemy is going to try to challenge your identity every day. But what did Jesus respond with? He said, man shall not, it is written. You know, you can only, you can only say it if you read it. <laughs> you know, uh, that's why it's important to know what the word of God says. And I always tell people, don't be intimidated by what you don't know. Put your faith in what you do know. Okay. There's some people that might know tons of scripture. And then there might be some people that might have three scriptures you really know really well. All you need to know when the enemy comes is you need to say it is written and you just stand on those three scriptures and you say, I'm coming back with more. I'm about to get, I'm about to dive in. Right? Come on. Stop letting the enemy run rampant in your mind. Okay? But do you realize that Satan, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout, he is, he's been so used to tempting man and then listen. What happened when a man, full of the Holy Spirit, the enemy's coming to tempt him and he actually talks back. This hasn't happened in the old, we, you know, you don't see people talking to the devil in the Old Testament, but Jesus had that thought, that temptation, and Satan's automatically like, oh man, he knows something. And then he tries to start tempting him with the whole world, bow down to me, because he's like, this guy actually, he's actually listening. 
You know, the Bible says if all, if all the kingdom of darkness really knew, they would have never crucified him. So you see, Satan's, Satan doesn't know the whole plan of God, and he, did, he finally met somebody that could take him on. But guess what? It was because of the Holy Spirit, and when Jesus died on the cross, oh, we got to get to the scripture, because i got to show you. But, but... But in Acts chapter 1, turn there. Oh, there's a rumbling in the spirit tonight. <laughs> God gets really excited when the church talks about Holy Spirit. I once heard John Bevere say that, do you know, if you ever feel left out, just talk to the Holy Spirit. He knows exactly how you feel. <laughs> it's so true, though. He can comfort you. He can let you know. But I want you to see that in Acts chapter 1, this is after Jesus has died on the cross. He's been buried in the tomb. The the, st the stone is rolled away. He's, he's resurrected. He has not yet ascended, but he has come that he is now walking and showing infallible proofs of his resurrection. But then we're, we're about to get to his ascension, and there's a statement he makes. So when you get to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Everybody say, the promise. Which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were looking for a political takeover. They were looking for something in the natural, but Jesus was on something way bigger. And he said to them, it is not for you to know that the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everyone say receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you go back to verse 4, it says, wait for the promise of the Father. Everyone say, the promise, the promise. of the Father. The now, just think about this. Wouldn't we all, when I am... And I want everybody to hear my heart here because this is scriptural that the cross, the resurrection, that is the pinnacle of like that is that is the, the, the most sacrificial love. That is what we 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 adore and that's what we love. That's but right here, you would think that that was the promise, but that was actually the payment for the promise. And I think that there's a lot of people in Christianity that are that are that are so worshiping the price and we need to see the value in the price but they haven't realized the promise that was purchased because right here we're seeing that it's saying that the father is going to send the promise and the disciples remember it a lot of people just think Peter was the one that said I'll never deny you but in if you read all the gospel accounts it says that Peter was almost like a spokesperson and yes he had a very specific profile in his story but it actually said all the disciples were saying I will never deny you I'll never back down and did, did, did you see how that worked out for them that they got to see Jesus walk on water they got to see Jesus multiply five loaves and two fish for over 5,000 people they got to see Jesus look at a storm and say shut up he got they got to see him do amazing things raise Lazarus from the dead they saw all these things, and even though they saw all of that evidence, they buckled when the persecution came. They buckled when things got crazy, even though they had all of that evidence. But Jesus knew that when the Holy Spirit would come, that it would transform them. Because there's a dilemma we all face. Has anybody ever been close to somebody but desired to be closer? 
Am I the only one? You know, have you ever been close to someone, but you desired to be closer? That's like a dilemma, like a heart dilemma. Do you know Jesus is walking around with the disciples and he's enjoying being with them, but he desires to be in them. You see, God with us is inevitable. He's everywhere. He's all around. God in us is the gospel. God with us is inevitable. God in us is the gospel. This is what God desires, that he would be in us. And this is why he sent the Holy Spirit, is because the Holy Spirit is his presence, that the fullness, that the fullness of who he is, that when God picked a Jewish body, a Jewish vessel for Jesus to dwell in. But the Holy Spirit has picked, God has picked the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. His presence to be all over, to be, and, but if we're developing in this, but this is how we need to see, see the scriptures that it says that he's the promise I, I think we really need to wrap ourselves around this, that the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen. There are blessings galore all throughout the Bible, covenant blessings we can enjoy, but this is different. This is saying the promise, not promises, not blessings, that this is the pinnacle of what God wants for us. And it says in Revelation, well, I want to wait till we get there. Thank you. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, that the promise, but it also says in Luke eleven thirteen, it says that even evil people, even secular people, even people that don't know the Lord know how to give good gifts to their children. How much more will your heavenly father give you the Holy Spirit? So what we see here is that the father is saying that the promise is Holy Spirit the greatest gift he could give is the Holy Spirit, yet we find large amount of the church completely ignore this person, completely ignore this, this role. And I, I want us to really see that this is gonna help you every day. This is what, what, what God is longing for, that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you would teach you you know why you have questions when you read scripture? It's because the Holy Spirit's giving you those questions to ask him. Instead of getting hung up on the questions, ask the Holy Spirit. Before you read, say, Holy Spirit. When you wake up in the morning, say, Holy Spirit. And I, I want to show you a scripture. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And at the very end of this, this letter, the second letter to the church of Corinth, Paul ends it by saying this, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, everyone say grace, grace. and the love of God, everyone say love of God. love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, everyone say the com communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all, amen. What is this showing me right here? That Jesus is the one that allowed grace. He gave us grace. The Bible says in John 1:14 that he was full of grace and truth, that Jesus gave us grace. You know, grace is not mercy. Mercy is if you were to get pulled over by a police officer and you don't get a ticket. That's mercy. You know what grace is? You get pulled over by a police officer and he writes you a check. That's what grace is. You see, grace is way more abundant. It's something you don't deserve, but you get it anyway. Because of Jesus. Everyone say Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus is attached to grace. And then it says God is attached to love because he's the father revealing love. But it says that the communion of the Holy Spirit, what is this trying to tell us? That the Holy Spirit longs to talk with you longs to commune with you, longs to teach you, longs to guide you, longs to comfort you. Yet, we don't realize how quickly we try to appease God through our own efforts or our own works when the Holy Spirit can show us exactly how to please him 
and empower us to please him. And it's in this communion that we find, but I wanna, I wanna make sure that in John 16, seven, Jesus made a statement, as we were saying, the disciples saw him do all these great works. And he's, if you, John 13 through 17, you're, you're finding all of Jesus's intimate discussions with the disciples at the Last Supper, he's revealing things. It's, it's actually, you don't even find those conversations in any of the other gospels. John the Beloved reveals some intimate words of Jesus. And you know what he decides to talk about the majority of his last moments on the earth with the disciples is Holy Spirit. He keeps telling them about Holy Spirit and he makes a statement that's so crazy. He says, it is better that I go away you have to understand, that is just nuts. I don't, I don't care how many times I read this passage and talk about it to other people. That is just crazy. Because we would all, if, G, if we all knew Jesus was gonna be here tonight, there would be so many people coming to hear Jesus in the flesh. They would wanna, they, just because of the fame of his name, because of what he did, they would, they would want to see Jesus in the flesh. Yet Jesus says, I don't want you to fall in love with me from a distance. I need to go so that I can send, the Father can send the Spirit on the inside of you. That I refuse to have this distance between us, even though you're watching me walk on water, even though we're able to talk around a table, even though we have these intimate encounters, I have to be in you! This is, this is how committed he is. Jesus, he, he came to this earth he lived in a woman's womb. He became a fetus. He, he, he came, he was born as a baby. And then he, he, was, he grew up as one of us. He did all this and then he gets crucified for us. Raises from the grave. And then he ascends on high and he's at the right hand of the Father praying for you. This is a God that does not play around. This is a God that does not want to be distant. This is a God that'll pay any price and continually have you on his mind and he will disrupt every relationship in your life until you realize he's the only relationship you need. That's why Jesus said, you thought, you thought I came to bring peace? I actually came with a sword. And, I, and, he, and he said that, that if you love your, he says you have to hate your mother and father. And, he's, and I, it's so important you realize that he's talking about that no, he's saying that no relationship can influence you in this life. Because if a relationship influences you more than him, then the enemy can use that vessel to begin to, de to detour you away. But he wants his spirit on the inside of you so that we are all led by the same spirit one spirit one baptism one lord and it's this unity and we were talking about the family of god last week and it just struck me that the holy spirit is the one that orchestrates the family dinner he's the one that orchestrates it all he's the one that brings the unity together the holy spirit begins to manifest in our hearts and he says you gotta forgive them the Holy Spirit begins to move on us because he, he'll begin to teach you, Jesus forgave you. And he's given you the, the power to forgive because in John 20, when Jesus breathed on his 11 disciples and they received the Holy Spirit, the first thing he says, you go and forgive. Because he's saying that that's what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit, it, he breaks the walls of division in the church and he gets us in unity. Amen. So as we are, are going through this, there's still a few passages that I, I just want you to know that the relationships that you have in life, any relationship, and I, you know, the, there's a lot of people in this room, if there's any relationships in your life that are, that are causing you to, to question God, to, to, to move, you know, there are times where you have to move people out of the way and get in the secret place. You know, you have to, you have to prioritize him and get alone and that you'll, you'll, you'll notice, is, is there anybody in this room that once they got born again, you lost some friends? Am I the only one? You know, but I, I want you to, but the thing that I want you to know about fruit is I share this a lot that, you know, I, I remember my youth pastor, when I got born again 
very, I was still very rough around the edges when I got born again, but that's the amazing thing about Holy Spirit is he helps us. But I remember when I first got born again, my, I, was still, I was still doing a lot of drugs uh, and even knowing they were bad and my, my parents that my mom, she would, she would take all of my friends when we would get caught smoking weed or when we would get caught and she would load us all up in a van and take us to the church and tell the pastor, speak to them, get them out and, and, and would just drag us, drag us there. And uh, I'm so thankful for my mom, praying mom. And, but, but one of the things is the youth pastor even would see that I was a bad influence on the youth group. You're like, how could this be? You're like, what? <laughs> Pray for Nate and Jess, whether they're stepping into. We might reap some, some BC Dominics up in the house. But, like, uh, but, when, <laughs> but when that, what happened in that, that case is that I was a bad influence on, on other people. I was trying to date girls in the youth group. If you're here and you're just looking for a spouse, you better get your eyes on Jesus because I pray that the Lord will, will, will not deal nicely with you if you're messing with women in this church, if you're, if you're trying to take advantage of things, may the Lord deal with you. Get your heart right. Now, I'm saying it's great to find a spouse that's serving the Lord, but get your eyes on him. He'll reveal it to you, all right? Adam was sleeping when God gave him Eve. So if you think you got to figure it out, you're doing it by your flesh. Let the spirit lead you. Remember we said it's, it's, it's more satisfying to wait for him, wait on him than it is to have everything right now, to have everything because he's faithful. Amen. But I say, I, I want to share that because the Holy Spirit got a hold of me later in life. And I, I used to live in Maryland. And, you know, if they had a yearbook for our youth group and who was least likely to succeed, yeah. it would be me. They would vote me. Least, you know, most likely to end up in prison or most likely to, that, not for preaching the gospel. But if that were, if that were to happen, but later on in life, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. And I remember I, I was leading worship at the river uh, for the youth, and I just began to, I just began to worship, and I, I started loving writing music and, and going after it. And then all of a sudden, when I would be leading worship, the Lord would give me words, and I would, I would just start yelling them. Like, for, and, then, and then the pastor came to me after service. He's like, did you know you can preach? And I was like, no, I only want to sing. I don't, I don't want to preach. He's like, you're, you're going to teach Bible study next next week and I'm like I can't do that he's like no you, you can't but the Holy Spirit through you I see what he can do <laughs> and all of a sudden I started teaching and I, I found that how much I loved studying and how much I loved but it was not me I didn't even like to read or anything the Holy Spirit began to to do teach me show me and then he gave me a compassion for the people I was talking to and I wanted to start getting coffee with them and I wanted to start hearing how they were doing in Christ and then all of a sudden I'm I'm preaching and I'm I'm and, and I'm helping churches launch and I, I've been a my wife and I we've been a part of a couple church launch we've been helping with different things and my youth pastor that a long time ago didn't think that I was you know the best but we had a good relationship it wasn't like he he really believe, wanted to believe in me it was just hard <laughs> I didn't give him a lot of reason to believe. <laughs> My youth pastor fell away from the Lord. And all the, it wasn't a big youth group, but the majority of the people that were in the youth group weren't even serving the Lord anymore. But here I am, going after it, not even thinking about anything. My youth pastor happened to catch a sermon I was preaching on Facebook. He rededicated his life to the Lord, watching me <laughs> preach. Sent me a message saying that there's no way. <laughs> but I want you to know it was Holy Spirit. 
It was nothing to do with me. I look like the one that wouldn't make it. I'm sure people in this room are thinking that that could be you or it could have been you. And he, the Holy Spirit does something that we can't do with our striving or whatever. It, he does a work on the inside of us when we just continue to say yes and we submit and we get in the word and we abide. I don't care what it looks like in your life right now. His, he's faithful. And if you will abide in his word and you will, you will, you will hold this, these scriptures to your heart and you will ask Holy Spirit to reveal them to you, to teach them to you. He will show you your identity, which is where you, you, we get Galatians 4, 6, where it says the spirit on the inside cries out, Abba, Father. Did you know that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is teaching you how to be a child of God? That when you're going through something, the spirit on the inside of you is saying, Daddy, Abba, Abba. And this is why it's so important to be still and know, because when everything's going crazy, you forget you have a father that wants to show you and teach you. And the Holy Spirit is actually helping to show you that. He's helping to reveal that. Not only does he do that, but in Revelation 22, we find that the spirit and the bride say, Come. So the Holy Spirit's not, even, not only showing you your relationship with Father, but he's actually showing you your relationship with the bridegroom, Jesus, at the same time. That the Holy Spirit is showing you how to long for Jesus, how to desire him. That's why we get the Maranatha cry. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That Paul said that I desire to be with you, Jesus. I desire to be there, but I see that there's still a work that needs to be done here. And that it's this, this, this beautiful tension that we so desire to be with him there, but then the Holy Spirit reminds us of the fellowship we have with him right here. You know, billions of years from now, we're all gonna remember, remember when we were in the flesh, and we trusted him, even though we couldn't see everything yet. Like we're gonna be at a place millenniums from now in glory. And some of, it, it, it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, right now my, I have little children, you know, they're five, uh, a year and a half, and then we have a newborn. And, you know, my, my little one, my, my little guy, Brave right now, he's like, I can't, I, can't go anywhere without him. He's just attached to my leg everywhere. Like we have to, I have to like throw like a decoy to just get out of the house. Like I have to like, it's like a dog or something. I have to like throw something to distract him for me to leave. And you know, today is a great example. You know, when I'm, you know, I, I prepare weeks ahead and just hearing from the Lord and always staying ready, hear what the body has to to, to give to the body. And, you know, on Tuesdays, that's like such a prep day for me. Like sometimes I'm like, I have to snap out of being like super, like if anybody talks to me on Tuesday, I'm probably like not the most like in tune. Cause I'm just so like, I, I just want to make sure I'm hearing being a vessel of the Lord, you know, being studious and my little guy just on me all day. Like, and I, you know, it, cause my wife is dealing with the newborn. So I'm like juggling a couple of things. And I just, I always, the Holy Spirit will remind me and be like, he's not going to be little this long. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I can, you know, I have, I'm graced to be a pastor and a father. And I don't have to choose. I'm graced. But the spirit of the Lord speaking that to me because I'm in communion with him. When I'm in the word, when I'm talking with him, it, I, it's the voice of the Lord. There's not a, God is speaking. It's about the texture of your heart. Is it hard or soft? Because being his voice, he's always speaking, but are, are, we, are we posturing our heart to hear? Are we, are we, are we allowing ourselves are we positioning ourselves to listen, to get in the scriptures, to truly hear? And the spirit of God is so faithful to help us. And it's so much more beautiful if we realize his role. And that's what we're talking about tonight. And Jesus made it so clear that they could not leave that upper room until they received the power. And the disciples, they all denied him before 
But once they received the Holy Spirit, they were willing to be crucified. They were, they were willing to have their heads cut off. Something happened, and it wasn't just, it, it was the Spirit of God in them caused there to be a, a, a supernatural boldness. It caused there to be s- something that cannot just be formed by willpower or by strength or efforts. In fact, it, and, and this is, wow, this is beautiful. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I wanted to, let me, let me give you this three-pronged statement that'll sum up where we're at tonight. And we're still good for a few moments, but I just want you to see that, I, I want you to hear this very clear because this three-pronged statement I'm about to make really sums up where, where we're at, that God's gift to us is the Holy Spirit. God's gift to us is the Holy Spirit. We just read it's the promise he's given in the Spirit to us. The new creation us, the born again you, is God's gift to Jesus. So let me say it again. God's gift to you is the Holy Spirit. God's gift to Jesus is the born again you, the new creation you. So what is God's gift? All the glory. But, but think about this. Do you know what all the glory translates to? He gets the family he desires. His son gets a bride that, she, that he deserves, and the family is the glory of God. But you know, what's, what's, the Bible always goes full circle, because where did everything start? It started in a garden. And what did God desire? He desired communion and fellowship with Adam in the cool of the day, in a garden. And who is Jesus? He's the vine. And we are the branches, and what are we called to do? Have the fruit of the Spirit so that God can come to the garden and enjoy fellowship with his family. This is what it's all about. This is what God is desiring to do. But I want to, I, I believe that this is really going to help you in closing or on the, on the way down because the reason that there is such an anointing to teach in the room and it's so beautiful, but I want you all to know that we have to respond to the word of God. And the way we're gonna respond, if there's people in this room that haven't received the infilling of the spirit, you know, it, you know when you were born in the natural, you were born with, with legs, right? You were born with legs. You didn't get your legs later, right? Like they didn't come in UPS later. <laughs> you were born with legs but you had to what? Develop them. You had to have people around you show you. You had to have people around you help carry you, even though you were born with them. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes, but you, you have to get to a place where you're no longer dragging. You're a lame person would drag their legs around. But once you realize the gift, the gift carries you. And even though you're born with legs, once they're developed and matured, they grow. But did you know you can develop and mature right now if you understand his role? Because I want to show you in Galatians 6, or Galatians 5, verse 16. I'm going to help everyone in this room by just looking at the scriptures. How many people want to overcome sin, want to overcome just, you know, Jesus overcame the pride, but when we deal with the uh, the temptations and so forth. Did you know there's a way that you can avoid them strongly and you can grow? Do you know it, it gives us a secret in Galatians 5? Is there people that desire that, that not keep going down certain paths? Galatians 5 verse 16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit. Everyone say, walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, now watch, watch, watch. Everybody, beep, just stop. <laughs> the devil has lied to us with scripture. There's an order here. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But so many people say, if I stop sinning, then I can walk in the spirit. That's not what it says. 
you have to walk in communion with the Spirit of God, talking with Him, getting His counsel, His comfort. And as you develop this intimacy with Him, all of a sudden, He, he reveals to you heaven's desires so you have no worldly desires anymore. He makes heaven's desire so real to you that you realize how insignificant and minuscule the things of this world are. Walking in the spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is there anybody in this room that as you become born again, you look at some of the things your maybe old friends did that you did and you look at it and you actually, your heart breaks for them even though before you used to party with them or before you used to celebrate, all of a sudden the Spirit of God is revealing wickedness to you, revealing false identity and corruption, and the Spirit of God is moving on the inside, showing you, developing you, that you see the world is going down a very bad path, and your heart begins to break because you're hearing the prayers of intercessor Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is revealing to you as well as he intercedes and says, Abba Father on the inside. But as you keep reading, it says, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Everyone say works of the flesh. I want to read these out so we all understand scripture. They are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and all alike of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But listen to this. He said the works of the flesh, everyone say works of the flesh. But it's a very there's a big change here. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. Everyone say the fruit of the Spirit. Of the Spirit. So you see, the works of the flesh is something you're doing in your own effort. You're going against the grain. It's not what you're called to do. But you see, the fruit of the Spirit is not something you can produce. It's something that is actually cultivated through intimacy with Holy Spirit. That the fruit of the Spirit is you have to completely yield to Him in order for it to grow in your life. You can't self-effort it out. You can't self-will it out. You, you've never seen a tree flexing. <laughs> and try to like make fruit come out. No, it, it, it's all about the roots. It's all, and what does the Bible say in Ephesians? That we are rooted and grounded in love. That the fruits of the Spirit that you would have the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would know what the inheritance of the saints is, and that as those prayers begin to pray, which the Holy Spirit prayed, the fruit of the Spirit begins to flow in your life, which is love, joy, peace, suffer, or long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So we see that the fruit of the Spirit, it's so important that we, that we walk in that. And, I, I, and what we'll do, because... I want to let God show off right here with the Spirit. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit for the next, until, you know, we don't, I, we don't do series here, we flow. So it's like as, as the Spirit of God is leading us, I just strongly sensed that there, there are people that need to know the vital role of Holy Spirit in our lives and how he is teaching us and showing us how to grow in these elements. And what we're going to do is, uh, do we have communion? Are we doing communion tonight? Yes. We got communion? Is, if anyone does not have communion, just raise their hand. We'll make sure you get some. Oh, Jesus.
Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for opening it too. I want to just, I really want us to let this marinate in our hearts right now because it's so easy to try to logically digest the word of God in scripture when we're called to, to yield to the word and trust. We're called to yield to it. And I'm telling you, if there's people in this, in this room that have questioned Holy Spirit, maybe, and you know, I, I want to be real about it. There are people that just think that Holy Spirit is just tongues or just speaking in tongues. It says that that is a gift. It's not the gift. So it's important that we realize that there are some people that you might not speak in tongues right away, but it is a gift for all believers. It is that, that you can pray in the spirit and it's a part of that expression. But some people get so hung up on that detail that because of that, they almost reject the communion of Holy Spirit altogether. And I would say that that's very dangerous and that we need to understand that the spirit of God is a, uh, he's represented as a dove, that it, it, it's so precious. It's, you know, the, the one thing Jesus is known in all four Gospels as, you know, when people, you know, John the Baptist, when he gave a phrase for, for who Jesus is, you know, a lot of times people would immediately say, oh, John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. And that's true. And that's a beautiful phrase and title, obviously. Also, he said the bridegroom. That's beautiful. But did you know what it, in every gospel, you know what Jesus is known as? He's known as the baptizer of the Holy. He's the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. That they were asking John the Baptist, are you the Messiah? And really, I'm paraphrasing for him, but he's, he, he, he was pretty much saying, oh, you'll know when the Messiah comes. Because I, I, just, I just put a little water on you. He's coming with the fire. He's coming with Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, you'll know. You'll know. I, I'm just dunking people out here. You think I'm the Messiah? You think this is the work of God? And he's like, yes, this is beautiful. People are repenting. But I'm just, getting, I'm just preparing the way. Because there's about to be a fire. There's about to be a baptism in the Spirit of God. And no longer is man going to strive to get to God, but God is going to place himself on the inside of every hungry heart that longs to have intimacy with him and can walk in the power that you can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, that you can, that you can tread upon serpents, that you can walk in this life knowing who you are in Christ because the spirit of God lives on the inside of you. We, we should not be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We should become more, he should be our honored guest because we have God the Father and Jesus is at the right hand interceding for us, but the Holy Spirit is here with us, in us, longing for communion. It's a gift, the communion of the Spirit, the communion of the Holy Spirit. Before we take communion tonight, you see, this is where the Holy Spirit excels that there's so many people that take communion and they don't realize that as we're partaking of the, the bread and the wine that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal Jesus to us. That we don't need to hear a cool little story, but that the Holy Spirit wants you to come to the table and he wants to say, do you know your bridegroom? This bread represents his body which represents the new covenant. And the new covenant says that God forgets your sins and lawless deeds. He, it's that he remembers them no more because of his sacrifice. And what does the Spirit, Holy Spirit do? He's the spirit of truth. He leads us into all truth. And what does the truth do? It sets you free. Always remember the enemy bounds us with chains. Christ bounds us with roots. The enemy uses chains. Christ uses roots. It's alive. 
produces life. But the spirit of truth leads, and we, it leads us back to Psalm 23, where the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And how does that psalm end? Well, his mercy shall follow us. His goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We should dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But right before that, he prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup runs over. That when he leads us, his goal is to lead us back to the table for communion. He wants to lead us to a place where he can serve us. We're trying so hard to serve him when he wants to serve us. You know, I was speaking with Michael and a few, uh, and Charles and uh, Taylor. It was a few of us that, it was four of us that were left like an hour after all the men had left that night. We're still talking about Jesus. And one of the things we were talking about with Mary and Martha was Martha is serving, she's busy serving, and she's, she's well-intended. You know, she's doing her best that she can. But Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And as she's sitting there, you know, Jesus says that, you know, Mary has chosen this one good thing and he actually had to rebuke Martha for, for judging Mary, for not helping. But what's so special about that story is, did you know Mary is the one that prepares Jesus for his burial, not realizing it? That her worship, because she sat at the feet of Jesus, her worship was more service to him than Martha serving all with her own intentions. That she did more through her worship, not realizing it, than Martha did with all of her intention on trying to help. This is the work of salvation in our lives, that if we would learn to yield to the Spirit of God and worship and let our life be a fragrance in worship and he would teach us, we would, we would bless God more accidentally than on our own striving ability. 